0: Hello, Puget Pearls listeners, and welcome to your February 12th, Monday re-release. This publication presentation was originally released in May of 2020. As always, to view the video version of this presentation, please follow the link in the show notes. Enjoy. Please note this presentation is an overview of a peer-reviewed collaborative study and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Any decisions related to medical care should be made in consultation with a qualified health care provider. This webinar, Reactive Granulomatous Dermatitis in Children, A Sensitive Cutaneous Marker for SLE is presented by Dr. Lisa Arkin.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa Arkin at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine. I'm a pediatric dermatologist and a proud PEDRA member. And I'm here to talk to you today about some work that a group of us did looking at Um, a, A very specific skin finding called reactive granulomatous dermatitis in kids, which we found was a sensitive cutaneous sign for a disease called systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE. I'm going to talk to you today about what it's like to be a detective in dermatology. This is really the heart of my job in the best possible circumstances. I get to look at the skin and think closely about where, whether there are hidden clues that can help me diagnose underlying systemic problems in the body. We're basically there to crack the case to solve the problem like Sherlock Holmes. And in this particular story, which I'm about to tell you, I got to phone a few friends to help me crack the case. We put our heads together, harnessing our strength in numbers through collaboration with PEDRA to alert other physicians about a rare cutaneous finding that is strongly associated with systemic disease in children. So this is a 10-year-old female who I met a couple of years ago who had a history of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune thyroiditis. She was referred to me from endocrinology for evaluation of this rash, which had started four months before. They weren't sure if it had been associated with sun exposure, but it developed during the summer when she'd been outside a lot. And she also endorsed ankle pain and increasing fatigue over the same time period as the rash. Among other things, I worried about a form of cutaneous lupus called tumid lupus, and I recommended a biopsy for histopathology and diagnosis. Because of her joint pains, fatigue, the onset of the eruption in the summer, and some concern for photosensitivity, my concern for a variant of cutaneous lupus, because of that, I also got a laboratory evaluation to look for findings associated with systemic lupus. And this is what I got back on the histopathology. So our pathologist saw a superficial and deep perivascular infiltrate of interstitial histiocytes with mucin, mucin is this sort of blue stringy material, and they thought the findings were most consistent with a diagnosis of something called granuloma annulare, which can be seen associated with thyroid disease. But clinically to me, this did not look at all like granuloma annulare, which looks like this. So you see these annular dermal plaques without any epidermal change. It feels lumpy bumpy, but there's no scale. And it's typically on the hands and feet of children. It's not usually eruptive. So it just did not seem the same to me clinically. And then I got her labs back. So here's what I found. Her ANA was high titer positive, one to 1280. Her inflammatory markers were elevated. She had, um, uh, she had anemia with a negative Coombs, and she had a positive lupus anticoagulant test. The rest of my workup, which you guys can see here, including complements urinalysis, her blood counts and other antibodies were lupi- for lupus were negative. So I sent her to rheumatology and I told them I thought she had tumid lupus in spite of the diagnosis that had been rendered by the pathologist. So my rheumatology colleague, who's like amazing and I adore her, she immediately diagnosed her with systemic lupus and the criteria for that um, in terms of our patient included having a positive ANA, having clinical evidence of arthritis, having a positive lupus anticoagulant and this rash, which she called d- discoid lupus in spite of the pathology diagnosis. My wonderful rheumatology colleague immediately diagnosed her with systemic lupus based on the criteria of a high titer ANA, clinical evidence of arthritis, a positive lupus anticoagulant, and called her rash, in spite of the pathology diagnosis, discoid lupus. But I knew this patient didn't have discoid lupus, which looks totally different. And you can see this rash here. Typically, um, these patients present with these scarred, round, circular plaques, which often have brown, red, or purple, and white. It looks totally different from what our patient had. So then I felt more lost than ever about how to solidify her diagnosis. But at least she'd been started on hydroxychloroquine, prednisone, and mycophenolate mofetil, um, immunosuppressives, and immunologic modifiers, and she was getting better. So I knew she was on the right treatment, but I still didn't understand what to call her. Then we had a conference at Children's in Wisconsin, and there my colleague Don Siegel, who's the co-president of PEDRA, presented a case that looked very, very similar to my patients, strikingly similar, in fact, and she had these annular edematous plaques at intertriginous sites, including the flank and her back. But the pathologist showed the slide, which looked very, very similar to my patients, and interpreted the diagnosis as something called interstitial granulomatous dermatitis, which has totally different implications from granuloma annulare. And then I knew in that moment that that is exactly what my patient had, too. Interestingly, the patient presented by Dawn at Children's also had systemic lupus. And then I thought we were surely onto something. So Misha Rosenbach and his colleagues have proposed creating the term for three conditions reactive granulomatous dermatitis. This is a unifying umbrella diagnosis for patients who have three reaction patterns, which are listed here. Interstitial granulomatous dermatitis, like my patient and Dawn's, palisaded neutrophilic granulomatous dermatitis, and interstitial granulomatous drug reaction. They all represent cutaneous manifestations of an underlying systemic trigger. And he proposed this unifying term based on shared clinical and histologic overlap and common systemic triggers. So in adults, these systemic triggers include connective tissue diseases like lupus and vasculitis. inflammatory arthritis, and even malignancy or medications. And the clinical findings can be varied, but often include the findings you see above. So on the top row, you see clinical features of what typically is called palisaded neutrophilic granulomatous dermatitis. And these patients often have pink papules and plaques, some with a little bit of umbilication centrally, this central indentation, or some crusting, and they're most commonly on the extremities. The pathology shows altered collagen, and that's shown here, with palisaded granulomas and perivascular and interstitial neutrophilic inflammation with cariorexis, which is sort of this neutrophilic debris. And some patients have been reported to have just frank leukocytoclastic vasculitis on pathology, meaning there's actually inflammation around the blood vessels. And then on the bottom row, you can see findings much more similar to our patient, this clinical phenotype of what historically had been called interstitial granulomatous dermatitis. With these annular erythematous patches and plaques, some of the borders slightly indurated and rolled often on the proximal extremities. And if you remember my patient, upper arms, lower legs pathology shown here on the bottom demonstrates just what I'd seen before, these interstitial histiocytes with some granulomas and and what you can see here, some areas of clefting. So much easier to call this all reactive granulomatous dermatitis to some sort of trigger, infectious, inflammatory, malignant, or medication, than try to split everything up into different histologic determinants. So the question was, what does this look like in kids? And actually there were very few cases reported in the literature. We could only find a total of three. And so this motivated a PEDRA-wide effort to collect a series of cases in children to characterize their clinical phenotype and their histologic presentation. So we could provide some guidance about one, how to risk stratify these patients, Two, how to screen them. And three, potentially how to treat them to make their skin disease better. And so this resulted in recruitment across many, many academic centers with collection of seven cases across the network review of clinical photos, review of medical history, review of medication triggers, and then histology was read by a single dermatopathologist. So seven cases doesn't sound like a lot, but for an incredibly rare disease with only three cases ever previously reported in the literature, it may actually represent the bulk of appropriately diagnosed cases at pediatric academic centers. And here's what we found seven kids across the entire collaborative network, most were female, so five were female, two were male, and most were Hispanic ethnicity. And then the clinical phenotype, interestingly, was very consistent and similar to what's been reported in the adult patients I showed you pictures of. So the most predominant clinical phenotype um, were these pink to violaceous edematous papules and plaques concentrated on the proximal extremities and extensor joints. Five of the seven looked annular, meaning sort of clearing in the center, and none reported some of the other findings that have been previously seen in adults, including these like rope-like cords or bands, Um, and so that was a differentiating factor. And then interestingly, the histologic phenotype was very consistent as well and similar to adults too. All patients demonstrated variable collagen alteration and a perivascular infiltration of histiocytes. Five of the seven had deep dermal involvement, which explains why those plaques look so puffy and edematous. And the other two noted a bottom-heavy perivascular and periadnexal distribution. Three had a lot of mucin deposition, as we saw in our patient. Four had some neutrophils and cariorexic debris. Again, this like neutrophilic dust. None had vasculitis. And then, critically, 100% of these patients All seven of them had been diagnosed with this condition, systemic lupus, which I'll tell you in kids, in spite of all of the advances in therapy for systemic lupus, still remains a marker for early mortality. So interestingly, and here's um, sort of a table including um, the demographics and when when the diagnosis was rendered and whether there was a potential drug trigger along with the course. But four were diagnosed with systemic lupus before being diagnosed with reactive granulomatous dermatitis, and I'll tell you, in spite of my best best efforts, that. Um, that includes my patient, even though I should have been able to um, identify this before and three presented before. So, so that tells you that the cutaneous manifestations can actually precede diagnosis of systemic lupus and we as dermatologists really can play a role here in appropriately risk stratifying and screening patients and, and the other interesting thing is that this you know 100% diagnosis concordance with systemic lupus is significantly higher than the adult literature where the the diagnosis of SLE is made in about 10% of patients. Although, again, most of them have either a systemic trigger, again, either um, uh, autoimmune, infection, malignancy, or a drug trigger. So this looks, even though clinically, very, very similar to the adult phenotype, quite different in the sense that Most of these patients have a unifying diagnosis, and we know that earlier initiation of treatment for SLE is critical to improving outcomes. So in conclusion, this is the largest investigation of pediatric reactive granulomatous dermatitis. It is rare, but our case series across academic centers through PDROP may represent the majority of appropriately diagnosed cases in the country. The clinical and histologic phenotype is very similar to adults. And we now have a clinical phenotype where if you see patients who have these kind of puffy red annular edematous plaques and papules on proximal extremities and extensor surfaces, you can say, I know what this is. And because it's a very sensitive cutaneous marker for SLE, that will help to prompt appropriate evaluation for systemic diagnosis and referral to rheumatology. Identification of this skin finding is critical in terms of evaluating these patients appropriately in combination with rheumatology and then starting them on appropriate treatment, which has been shown in pediatric lupus to improve overall quality of life and lower mortality. So this is just showing that we can really play a role as pediatric dermatologists in helping to diagnose and triage patients appropriately. And we may even be able to improve long-term outcomes by getting them seen by the appropriate subspecialty and started on the right systemic disease treatment. I really appreciate your um, time tonight. I wanna give, um, credence and thanks to my, to, to our co-authors, including um, Shemi Vaughn, who, uh, I'm sorry, Shola Vaughn, who's the first author on this paper and did a really wonderful job putting everything together, as well as our other Pedro members, Dawn Siegel and Yvonne Chu from MCW, Children's of Wisconsin, Marcia Hogling from UCLA, Reagan Hunt from Texas Children's, um, Yemi Sukumbi who was our trusted, um, single dermatopathologist, and of course, participant, you know, participating from UW myself. So thank you guys so much for your time. And please reach out with questions.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check us out online at www.peterresearch.org and on social media at Peter Research.